Hey there and welcome to Life After Lockdown. In this podcast series, we talk about how to handle the uncertainty of the lockdown, your personal relationship, your family, your kids, your finances, and how to plan your future beyond the lockdown. We're your hosts, Adele Teron and Renee Katz, so let's get stuck in. So welcome to episode two of Life Beyond Lockdown. And in today's podcast, we're going to be handling all the scratchiness, anger, irritation during lockdown and in Life Beyond Lockdown. Might sound a bit dreary at first, but stick with us to the end because we've got some great tips to help you through this. And then we'll share with you what's coming next week. I'm Renee and... I'm a trauma therapist here to help you through this time. And my name is Adele and I'm a certified clinical trauma therapist too. And yeah, we both, Renee and I, are working with a lot of people, helping them through lockdown, but, you know, with other ailments and traumas that they deal with in life as well. And so, I don't know about you guys, but we sure have found from a professional perspective and also I think seeing comments from friends and things on socials, but people are starting to get a bit antsy and uptight a bit with this whole lockdown. And I know for me, now that I'm in the reality of the homeschooling, the distance learning, whatever you want to call it, really starting to feel a bit like Groundhog Day and even to message a client and say, I'll speak to you on Wednesday, thinking Wednesday was tomorrow. And he goes, Wednesday is today. And I'm just like, oh, face palm. I'm, you know, I've lost what day it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a pressure cooker that's really beginning to pulsate. You know, as you watch more and more countries where people are kind of resisting the lockdown or starting to just do whatever they want, um, you know, you can see people are really struggling to stay in lockdown. And as trauma counselors, we're getting more and more calls from people who are agitated, they're more angry than normal. And both men and women are calling in for support. Strange things happening in the home, domestic violence attacks within their homes, children kind of falling out with their parents, and more health-related issues as well related to the increase of stress. Yeah, and it's. I suppose we know that when you hold that stress in, it's not good on your body, mind and soul. The damage that can be done that, you know, you might not see now but can show up beyond the lockdown. So it's really important, I think, for people to take a breath and be a bit. So today we really do want to look at helping you with that pent-up aggression, how we can handle anger in an empowering way, in an effective way. Great. And at the end of the podcast, we're going to give you some really cool techniques you can use to let off steam in a fun and enlivening way. And you can use these techniques, obviously, inside this lockdown and beyond the lockdown as well. Good. So to begin, I want to talk a little bit about what some of the health issues that we've seen during this time. You know, a lot of doctor surgeries across the world are reporting stress-related increases in health issues. So blood pressure problems, sciatica, nosebleeds, sore necks, tummy issues, hernias, hearing issues, tension headaches, stiff jaws, and people that are having stress-related anger episodes within the home. It's also really impacting violence in society. So although from a crime perspective, there were initial reports of reduction in crime rates, because there's obviously less people on the streets, so there's less murder, robberies, and attacks, the actual domestic crime rates are now on the increase. And that means that crime has moved from outside the home to inside the home. 
And that aggression that is usually on the streets is now actually happening within the home space itself. In the UK, for example, calls to national domestic abuse helplines has risen by almost 50%. Killings um, have doubled in the home after lockdown. Metropolitan police have made over 4,000 arrests for domestic abuse offences. So, you know, there's been that kind of thing increasing compared with what the normal numbers are. It's now really increasing at quite an exponential rate and not just amongst reportings of women that are experiencing this level of violence and kind of domestic crime, but also the calls are coming from men. Well, I know from some people I've spoken to that it's the men that don't often make the calls because there's a lot of shame attached to that. Definitely. Here, yes, in Australia, the calls are up 50%. It's heartbreaking to hear that. It is heartbreaking. It's just, and I sit and think from how are people being either let down or what's going on that's causing this where they feel like that's all they've got. Yeah. If you look at some of those statistics, it's a global phenomenon that we're seeing. I mean, even in New Zealand, there was a 24% spike in family harm, you know, and people are now having concerns that the financial turmoil created by this is also going to have a long-term increase in crime. But even in stats released in France, there's been a 30% increase in domestic crime. In Spain, 18% increase. Singapore, 30%. So the US, over 56% increase in calls to abuse hotlines. Child violence increasing. So really what we want to say is that there is this pressure cooker of pent-up emotional kind of things that is just starting to like leak out and it's leaking out in that containment of the home and what we want to start to look at is what is triggering all this kind of violence and health related stress issue that is being experienced by people all over the world and what can we do about it on a daily basis to just release all that pent-up aggression so Renee let's start by examining what is triggering all this violence Well, one, there's things from the past that people haven't dealt with that are there. And if they haven't been dealt with, they're still going to be there and and rear their ugly head, for want of a better term, at the least inappropriate moment. And then those subconscious patterns people are running from their past of, you know, if I'm not seen, I'm not being heard, you know, whatever happened, childhood or teenage years growing up, that's a massive part of it. But I think for a lot of people, it's simple things of, you know, breaking routine, a lot of people don't even have routine, which in their day does give them some certainty. Yeah. And, you know, they're certain they're getting up and going to work. They're certain their kids are going to school. That's all been taken away from us and we don't even know how long that's been taken away from us. So that's a big thing. True. And I think there's that removal of autonomy. You know, there's a lot of people on social media that are very angry at the lockdown, they feel like it's unfair and they've, they've lost their freedoms in life. And they don't feel like they have a say about whether they can go and visit their friends or their family. You know, being told what to do and being controlled by the government. This is annoying. People don't like that loss of freedom. Lockdown also forces everyone to confront relationships that might not be working. That level of uncertainty we're facing every day also increases the stress And it's financially uncertain because we don't even know if we're going to have jobs or businesses at the end of all this. And I think that level of uncertainty, stress, control, loss of autonomy, breaking of routines, and even the drinking of alcohol being a trigger for violence, 
And there's been a real increase in the sales of alcohol, particularly in the home. I think all of this is just leading to a perfect storm of increase of health and violent-related issues. It absolutely is that perfect storm. And you might see some cheeky comments about, you know, Dan Murphy's having sales and I'll make a cheeky comment to a couple of girlfriends about, you know, I've had to stock up on the wine before we thought Dan Murphy's might have been closed. But that's in a jest comment But the reality for some people is that if they've had addictions beforehand, they're heightened right now. Yes. And it is brewing. That calm before the storm, well, the calm's kind of gone now for some people. That's their reality. So it is really getting people to think differently as well because I think last episode we tapped on how the brain goes to looking for safety to keep us safe. But our brain also looks at what's wrong just instinctively because of that. But we often look at what we have no control over, how we don't want to feel. Definitely. And that can put people in a downward spiral of places they don't want to go. Yeah. And, you know, we're just not built for lockdown. We're used to our freedoms, our comforts, our instant gratification purchases and having the ability to run away or escape from our spouses, partners and kids with the busyness of everyday life. And I just think... This is a grand psychological experiment right now. I mean, we've never seen anything like this. And this experience that we're all going through, there is no roadmap from a psychological perspective, a mental health professional perspective. I mean, all the experts that I'm speaking to, particularly in the trauma world, no one actually has a roadmap for how to deal with this. And what they do is they revert to what we call case management, where it's literally just, well, we just give coping skills to people and so that they can cope with it as best they can. And I'm like, seriously, is that the best you've got? They just don't have anything to help people cope. It's tricky. So we have some tools and techniques that we'll offer in a few minutes. But the bottom line is these human needs that we have are just simply not being met. The human needs of significance, certainty, variety, love, connection, growth. And we can't get these needs met in our normal resourceful ways. So now because we're giving up that ability to have that need met, it can lead to real aggression starting to like build up. Yeah, and that significance is massive for people because they know that if they do something wrong, they're going to have that need met in a very unresourceful way. And some people, that switch must just flick. Yes, And it goes downhill pear-shaped pretty quickly. Yeah. And I know that men specifically are wired for freedom, right? That's one of their primary driving forces, I suppose. And, I mean, we all want to have the freedom, but no one's got that at the moment. And as you've said, that, that controlling and being told what to do is affecting people. And then it becomes this... What have I got right now is the keyboard warrior because mm. that's how I can get my point across, right? That's where I'm going to get that little moment of I'm going to just say that right now and get it off my chest. And there's a lot of that going around. Definitely. You know, and if the start of the lockdown, this whole idea was pretty novel. It was exciting. It was like, oh, this is fun. Like we have this thing called lockdown and everybody was sprinting the start of the marathon with lots of energy with their kids, their dogs, their partners, and whoever was living with us saw the best side of ourselves as we embraced our best baking, homeschooling, gardening, board gaming, TikToking, Zooming selves. And now that we're several weeks in, that aggression is understandable. 
things aren't so shiny anymore. We're starting to get really angry. And I'm having clients whose marriages are starting to creak at the seams. Mm. And in the next episode, we're actually going to be talking about relationships and how to sort that out. But we've really felt that we need to talk about the brain and how it processes trauma, the emotions and how to deal with emotions in a good way before we even tackle relationships. Because without understanding those first two components, it's really difficult to solve problems that you have in a dynamic with somebody else. What I find interesting is when you say, oh, you're angry, and they go, no, I'm not. I'm just a little bit annoyed or irritated or frustrated. (laughs) And I go, that's anger. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think it's okay for people to know that because what I've found over the years when you're talking to people about what's labelled as their negative emotions is that they are told you don't suppress it, whatever they were told in their childhood. We don't need to talk about that. But we need to. It almost has to be a must right now for people more than ever to get some things off their chest mm-hmm. and have those conversations. But again, leading into the relationships, you've, you've got to get that stuff out first before you can have a decent conversation or a productive conversation Otherwise, it just gets all dragged in and people say things they don't mean because they're dying to be heard. Yeah. And most people listen with the intent to reply. So that's why we wanted to focus on these emotions. It may sound a bit negative talking about that anger, sadness, fear, hurt, shame, guilt and grief specifically as well. But it's an important conversation that needs to be had. Definitely. Then we can have better ones. And the thing is, I mean, you're dealing, we're really dealing with different levels of grief. And I know in a minute, Renee, you're going to share about a traumatic incident in Melbourne. But, you know, what we call this from a trauma perspective is anticipatory grief. You know, this new normal we're all dealing with includes the fear of all things that could be happening. The loss of economic circumstances, the loss of connection, the potential loss of people that we love. I mean, I was last night talking to a client whose 29-year-old daughter died from COVID. And her daughter was absolutely fine before any of this happened. And, you know, she had to make a really tough decision to remove life support. And, I mean, you don't, as a parent, expect your children to die before you. And, you know, you've got real grief right there, but you've also got the anticipatory grief. What if someone I love, what if something happens to them? What if I catch this virus? It's like a storm that's brewing and we have no idea how bad this is going to get. But we just imagine all sorts of doom and gloom. And that leads to what we call catastrophizing and jumping to that worst case version of life. You know, we know that the world has changed and it has. And there's something really bad that's coming. And, you know, that kind of grief, it's confusing for people because we don't have necessarily evidence that it's coming. We just have this foreboding feeling that something's coming. And that breaks the sense of safety. It also increases this emotional spilling out that we're beginning to see in the world. And we had that recently happen in Melbourne. And I know, Renee, you were very touched by that particular story. Yeah, it was when it first happened. I remember my partner was walking towards me and he's in the police force and I was like, what are you doing? Like I had this weird look on his face. And then he told me that, you know, four police officers had just been killed while on duty. And it was just like this shock, the look on his face and then what then happened from then. What then I think frustrated me the most is freaking media 
It's like when you see a post, oh, the Porsche driver or the mortgage broker. And I mean, this story has gone around the globe. So I'm sure most people would know what had happened on the freeway and the police had done everything that they were supposed to do. They'd been on their side of the road for quite a while. And it seems to be one of those things that you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time and, you know, those sort of elements. But you know, when you label people as that, like I feel sorry for people who own a bloody Porsche because I love Porsches, but why is this guy who, one, is off his face on meth and marijuana, speeding at 140, has a criminal record, then almost gets idolised in the media as a Porsche driver or mortgage broker? Like it infuriates me and you'll hear the tone of my voice changing that why aren't people just calling a spade a spade and going, Man on drugs does blah, blah. I mean, the thing is, and as I said to my partner and people, it's he didn't do the harm. What he did afterwards was appalling behaviour. Like the anger from that that I saw was despicable. So why isn't he then written about as this despicable human does this to police officer, you know, and then the truck driver? He was on meth. Should not be driving killed four innocent people. And the grief from that is why, I guess, when I reached out to you, I said, I think we've got to change it to that, is when the people aren't held accountable in that media space then, it almost makes them go, you know, I've kind of gotten away with a little bit in their, the mind, right? Because some of them, they just don't care. The behaviour that you've seen from people, their traits that they've had, is not pleasant, but the grief that this causes for, say, the police family, their job family, their individual families and friends. But even that incident aside, anyone who's losing someone right now, you know, you cannot have a funeral. But even before that, people gather to support. You'll have, you know, the school community help with the kids pick up if that needs to be happening. You'll have friends come over and, hey, I've, I've baked you something. Let me help you clean the house. What else can I do? Like the importance of a hug. Like there's the science behind hugs, how it releases the oxytocin in our brain. Like when someone hugs you, now, I've got this friend, Andy, and he's six foot something, something and above, and I'm like five foot little. <laughs> Whenever I catch up with him, he's got this big bear hug, and you just know that no matter what, if you, and even anyone, you know, they'll give you a hug, and it's just like, oh, it's almost this feeling of, I've got you, I've got you, you know, and you're safe in this space. But people right now, they don't have that. And I was speaking to... um Sarah Godfrey, who's a well-known Melbourne psychologist, also part of Griefline yesterday. And Sarah had said, you know, there's no model for this kind of prolonged grief because I'd asked her, is, you know, is this going to delay people's healing process throughout this and leave them in a bit of limbo of mm. that grieving longer than potentially what is necessary when people are taken from you in an instant, there's no lead up to it. Yeah. And I'm going to imagine that's different from, I mean, when you told me that story about your client, it's heartbreaking. Whereas I'm going to imagine that if people have been sick for a while, you've got this anticipation of it's coming, it's going to be different from this shock of taken. Yeah. That's just my hallucination on it. And I think it's kind of what we're really talking about is these different levels of grief are very challenging 
to process. You've got that anticipatory grief of this doom that might be coming. You've got the fact that if you have somebody taken from you, you don't get to grieve in the normal societal ways we're used to with funerals and kind of reaching out and getting that hug from close people or you know, sharing that moment with people that you love. Mm. And, you know, some people, it delays and puts in limbo the grief that they're feeling. And there is, as Sarah put it, no model for prolonged grief. And this stuff is very, very challenging. And all these past events that people have had before even COVID-19, it's now this pressure cooker that we're in, it's coming back to bite people. I mean, I'm having a lot of calls from people who, you know, they maybe had some trauma happen to them 10 years ago. They were attacked, they were raped, they had a heart attack. And for some reason, this lockdown is making them reflect on that trauma and it's suddenly come back to bite them. And they now want to start processing and dealing with this thing because mm. they're now having nightmares about this thing that happened 10 years ago. Why now? Why is that happening? It's because this pressure cooker is really weird. And the importance of all of this is that when these emotions come up, you need to have strategies for what you can do about them. You need to know what can you actually practically do, what steps you can take to move through those emotions in a better way so that they're not actually taking you over and hijacking your life, but giving you the insights that you need from them, learnings from them, and then to release them on your terms. Yeah, and I think from both of us with our experience we've had over the years, it's so important for people to find a way to get the positive learnings that are there to help them into the future. Definitely. You know, why is it coming out now? Are things that are going to come out exactly when they need to be dealt with without the lockdown? Mm. You know, when people are kind of in that, I'm ready now, but we've got this time now where you might not be ready, but it comes the time to do the work. Yeah. And it can be if you choose to look at it, because we all have a choice. And if you choose to do the work now, just imagine when we're out of COVID, when we're back into life, how good things are when you've gone and dealt with it. Because most people can deal with their negative emotions. I'm just going to call them that for the moment, but they do have a positive spin. Is If you're in a space of spite or hate or revenge, that's a victim anger. And yes, things have been done that make you feel like that, but it can be quite harmful or if you feel like you're hurting often it's known that hurting people will hurt people angry people hurt other people and sad people hurt themselves but again what if there was a way that you could deal with these feelings and emotions in an empowered way that almost gave your system and I know this is the experience that my clients get this factory reboot where they can master their emotions because that charge is gone And that's, I guess, the thing that people get when they work. They do step up and do the work, but it's so important for people to understand that the stuff is trapped in your body as the event is still going on because we don't have a way to, you know, when our brain isn't functioning properly, it cuts all the events as a memory and being over. So that's why those triggers keep coming out. I think it's so important for people to understand that too, that, hey, there's nothing wrong with you because... 
that happened, this is going on, but how can we be human with a little bit more kindness and empathy for ourselves and other people right now and try and look for, well, how do I want to feel? What, what do I want to happen from this? And, and go the other way so that they feel better. Yeah. Get some therapy to help you do the unconscious work. And then it's the conscious actions on top of that that we're going to talk about that help maintain that peace and calm, that sense of emotional mastery, I guess, or emotional fitness as well. So for a moment, let's talk about emotions so that we understand the kind of techniques that Renee and I are going to give you to release certain emotions. So emotions are not just things that you think about. They are actually chemicals that rush around our body and each emotion has a particular chemical blueprint. So if you really want to study emotions, you actually have to study pharmacology because from a chemical perspective, anger looks very different to joy, looks very different to fear, looks very different to sadness. And, you know, when people are in this lockdown, you know, there's societal norms that's like, oh, keep calm, soldier on, carry on, you know, oh, you look so stressed, you should calm down. And you know, I think when you're told to calm down, when you're very, very stressed out, I don't know about you, it does not work. <laughs> you know, and because these chemicals are running around your body, I think what there is to get, it's not your fault that anger arrives. It's not your fault that sadness arrives or fear or anxiety. It is your responsibility in terms of what you do about it, how you choose to release that emotion. And the thing to understand is you can't control it arriving and you can't control like how it manifests. But if you suppress it, that is where the real shitstorm starts to happen in your body. Because when you suppress an emotion, it actually blocks the cell receptors. The cells are not actually able to communicate effectively. That leads to toxin builder, which begins to lead to health issues and to paint up aggression and this kind of violent attack that starts to occur. So think of it as that the trouble isn't the emotion or the anger or the irritation. The trouble is the suppression of that emotion. And if you suppress it over time, it starts to create a real issue. So what we want to think of is like you don't dial down emotion. I don't know if you've ever tried like somebody goes, oh, you don't feel happy. Uh, so just like smile more and you'll feel happy. It's just BS. Like you don't just turn a dial down on a bad emotion and just turn a dial up on a good one. You can do some NLP techniques to flip and switch, but you've got to really consciously work hard on that. So what we want to think of it is when you're doing emotional release exercises, and these are awesome whether you're in lockdown or life way beyond lockdown, you want to let off that steam over time. It's like when you shake up a Coca-Cola bottle if you just unscrew that lid, all that cola is just going to come gushing out all over the place. But if you open the lid very slowly and you just let a little bit of the fizz out steadily over time, you know, you can actually open up that Coke bottle after a while and it's all good. So these exercises are really going to help you and we're going to give you a whole bunch of ideas. So as you're listening to them, it might be that you resonate with like one or two or you just think, oh, that sounds crazy. I really want to try one of those. So we're just going to kind of go back and forth, give you lots of ideas. And, you know, all of them can be done in the comfort of your home or your garden or whatever. And you can even set them up 
as like a little circuit with stations. Kids love that, by the way. You set up little stations for each kind of anger or frustration or sadness release exercise. It works really effectively. So, Renee, do you want to start us off with our first option of what people can do to kind of release emotions? Sure. So I think it's important to look at the past and go, where have I felt this before? And where have you felt it in your body as well? And put your hand there and just see what's worked or what's coming up when you actually touch that part of you, like your body will tell you where to go and just sit with it and feel it, talk to it, ask it, what is it here to teach you? What, is it, what do you need to know from this? And it's just that experience and can it give it some gratitude and say, thank you get the positive learning and let it go. It's simple, but it's quite effective. Yeah. And it really, really works well because there are chemicals in your body. Think of it like you can't just think your way out of a bad emotion. Like you've actually got to do some physical work sometimes to get it out. And definitely feeling where the thing is in your body. And if you're a visual person, closing your eyes, visualizing where that thing is, touching it, feeling it, exactly as Renee said. And Maybe even put a shape around it or a color around it. Like actually really identify what this thing is and move it consciously in your mind out of your body. That's another way to really look at it. Mm. And I like the idea of talking to it because emotions really from a timeline therapy perspective, they hang around when they haven't, they haven't spoken the lesson they need to teach us. They just stick around for ages. And when we've spoken that lesson, they often can release and move on. Yeah, and getting that positive lesson that's there for them for now and for the future is so important. Definitely. The next exercise, and this is something you can do with a partner, I call it bucketing. So bucketing, you literally can take a bucket. So get a bucket from your kitchen, you hold it between yourself and your partner, and you have person A and person B. And really what it is, is it's an opportunity to encourage the other person to just express all the stuff that is they're frustrated, annoyed, upset about. Now, this is particularly effective to people who talk themselves down. You know how some people, they don't like to speak when they're angry. They just like keep quiet. We're not talking about these people. Mm. The people that get cross and need to talk a lot, they need to talk it out. Now, the thing is, when you're bucketing, it's very important when you're the person holding the bucket while the other person is just saying, oh, I'm upset about this, I'm upset about that, I'm annoyed at this, I'm angry about this. You must ensure that whatever they're saying in your mind, this goes into the bucket. This is not about you. It's not an opportunity to interrogate what they've just said. How can you say that? That's so mean. Just let them rant. Think of it like a phone and rant session. They're just calling the bucket telephone and they are just ranting into this bucket and when, you're, when they're done, you ask them, are you done? And you just go and throw the bucket out the window and imagine all this stuff just leaving the building. And I think that is an effective exercise to take turns to just kind of release that pent-up aggression without physically doing anything from that perspective. So that's bucketing. I think that's empowering for couples because I know when I've worked with them and even when you're speaking to them separately, it's all the negative stuff first. Yeah. And I think we'll go into this deeper next week is when you're doing that as well, you need to figure out if they're a mirror of you trying to teach you something as well. Definitely. And I guess the next sort of tip I had as well, journaling or handwriting is really powerful and you can do it from your normal dominant hand like get it all out onto paper because the science behind the hand and brain connection, just getting it out. If you can't talk about it, the journaling 
onto paper and then you can rip it up or burn it or put it away, whatever you do, but you've got to get rid of all the stuff, the unload, the download of stuff. But another way too is to get your non-dominant hand and also write to get the non-dominant hand and speak to that part of you because we all have different parts of us that are coming to the play like you know women we wear lots of different hats throughout the day from being the mother the friend the partner the this and that but there's also parts of us from childhood are there when we've done inner child work and a powerful technique that I did a few probably about a month ago now even with myself was writing to that part of me and you've got to trust whatever age comes up as well like so you're asking that part what part or what age was I when that emotion came along? Is it just now or is there another part? And then get that part of you, call it a name, give it a name, as in give it a positive name, not name calling. And then just write with your non-dominant hand whatever comes up, just trusting in that first feeling word sentence that comes out. It doesn't have to make sense. The writing doesn't have to look neat because it's going to be your non-dominant hand. Mine was an absolute mess, could hardly read it. But just try that exercise and then ask the, the now part of you, that conscious part of you, well, what would you like to say to that? And you have sort of this internal conversation of this hand and that hand, and it can be so powerful and great release as well. Definitely. The other thing is another cool exercise to think of, and this is good with kids. So I had a research team that I worked with many years ago and we studied different emotions and different body movements you need to make to release various emotions. And anger is really interesting because the releasing of anger and frustration and irritation and that kind of jaw tightness that you get when you're just furious and everything is a bit tense is actually moving your arms jutted out in a diagonal position. So if you imagine you're kind of stomping with your legs or you're stomping with your arms, it's a side jutting movement. So think of it like you could design a station or a spot in your lounge and you can call it beetle smash or stompy stomp. And you just basically stomp, 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 sideways jutting with your legs and with your arms sideways jutting out. And that's why when you go for a really angry run and you run with and you use your arms really powerfully during that run motion, it's very cathartic. It's a massive release from a pent up aggression perspective. So that kind of sprinting using your arms rather than a nice gentle jog is an excellent release of frustration and anger and good to do with the kids if you imagine them imaginary beetles all over the ground that need to be stomped on with firm force. Another one that I often get people to do is when they're getting into that story of, you know, what's going on, it's really to stop that. And I get my clients to draw like a T and write down how they're feeling when they're in this state because most of the time you're giving your power away, you're not feeling very well emotionally or physically and it doesn't make you feel good so when you're writing it down on that side from feeling unwell sometimes I hate saying this word but for some people they do feel like they're being a victim and it's like well do we really want to feel that way and they feel powerless and then getting to look at what's the opposite of that well I want to feel well and I want to feel like the victor and be victorious through this. And I want to feel powerful. So when they've done that, then I can just say to them, well, what side of the T are you on right now? And when you've got that little conscious tool, it's quite helpful. Oh, getting into the story of it, right. 
What side do I want to be on? And it can be those quick little simple tools and those quick shifts that get people from how they're feeling to that unstuck just as quick as these little exercises are. Definitely. Right, I'm going to give you a sort of more serious one, which is a mindfulness Vipassana technique. And it's a little bit similar to a technique that we were describing in the first podcast, which is the cycling of the senses, the cycling of VACO, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. And you, what am I seeing? What am I hearing? And what this one is, is you actually sit in a very quiet, meditative space. So whether you cross your legs or you just hold your body really still or you're lying flat on the ground, And you basically are just cycling and scanning your body and just asking the question, what do I see? What do I hear? What do I feel in my emotions? And what do I actually feel kinesthetically touch on my skin? And you just cycle through those emotions over and over again. And it's a little bit like the first exercise that Renee was talking about, where you're asking, where is the angle? Where is this emotion in my body? This way, you're just scanning the body in general to look for that tension. And then the trick is when you find a particular area of tension within your body and you can feel it physically kind of throbbing in a particular way, what I want you to do is hold, is make it very tense. So kind of squeeze that tension even tighter, hold it for five seconds and then release. So when you find something, you squeeze on it very, very tightly and then release it as well. And that kind of mindfulness scan where you notice a sensation on your body, you don't move to fix it. You observe it, you tense the muscle and you release it without actually flickering your hands or any movement within your body. So you can give that a whirl as well. And another really good one I often use is called the triad. And I learned this when I was working or at a Tony Robbins event as well. And then when I did additional training, the triad is really powerful. And I've often got it up on my whiteboard there that most people, I get them to draw like a triangle. What are you thinking about? Where's your focus? Because we've probably all heard that that saying of, you know, where your focus goes, energy flows. Mm. So you're focusing on what you want. And we said this a little bit before, what I want or what I don't want. How are the words, the language you're using? Is it, I can't, I never will? Or what if this could be after lockdown a good thing? Or I can choose. And then for a lot of people too, it's like, well, you're not feeling that great, but where's, how's your body? What's it doing? How are you standing? Are you slumped over and looking at the ground? Or are you holding yourself, you know, that tight, aggressive, that jaw you were talking about before? You know, are you holding it in? So we've got to check in on our body's physiology and we can change all three of those. And again, these simple tools can give you an immediate relief. Definitely. Another fun one I call bitch with a bat. And basically what this one is, it's a serious technique. We just make it fun, but it's the Hoffman process. And it's a really good example of catharsis therapy. What you do is you write on a series of cards, all the things that's making you frustrated, irritated, angry, and very emotional. And you spread them all out across an old tire. So you just find like an old tire from a car or you get a whole series of ice bags, so big bags of ice. And you get a baseball bat or a big stick or something like that. And you get some gloves and some goggles. And then you beat the living hell out of this thing, okay? With all these cards spread all over it and you just give it 
in the UK, we say you give it willy. You really put your heart and soul into beating the living hell out of this thing. And it's actually quite cathartic to express all of that. But what's critical, you don't just want to emote all this frustration for nothing. You want to like do it and then reflect afterwards. Because what you might find is at the end of that exercise, you shift, you move from the initial emotion to a different emotion. And really what we have is the orb of emotions. It's like onion rings of emotions. So underneath anger could be sadness, underneath sadness could be fear, underneath fear could be emptiness, loneliness. So it's finding, moving through an emotion, finding the edge of it, and then dropping down into the next emotion, knowing that when you fully feel an emotion, it never lasts more than 27 minutes anyway. And if you actually try that experiment within your own life, moving through the layers of emotions into the orb of all the different kind of uh, emotional nuances you will feel, it's such a release for people. And in the most cutting-edge trauma units that I've worked in, they do catharsis therapy to speed up people's recovery. So this is a massively cool emotional release method that you can use. Awesome. And I love how it's important to put that fun spin into things as well because I'm sure if more people could find a way to even have fun right now, somehow that they would feel better as well. And another one that I love about the writing is when you get to rewrite a new story because most people, if things are coming up, reflecting back on those patterns, they've got a story of what life has been. But a lot of people too, sometimes I was that way many, many years ago so I didn't think it was possible to change. So when you can think about, well, what do I want to be? Where do I want to, where do I see myself post this? How do I want to feel? You know, what do you want? And put that into an empowering story of, and, and make it an exciting story, almost like this whole new you know, for business, we have a mission statement. Well, why not make it a personal mission statement for you on drawing that line in the sand, no more, this is me and this is who I'm choosing to be. For sure. So I'm going to give you a few more fun ones. And the thing is, you can think of these kind of fun ones that you can just do around the home. Like you can set up like a whole series of stations. So the one is called, it's just simple. It's like just stuff around the house, scrunchy toss. You take a whole bunch of pieces of paper or newspapers and you scrunch them really angrily and fling them into the bin. You can create like a kind of a fake basketball net situation. You fling them in really forcefully. You take bubble wrap and you stab that bubble wrap really forcefully. Or you can tenderize some steaks with the hammer. You know, that meat tenderizing thing. (laughs) You just bash those steaks until they are so flat, it's ridiculous. Or do some angry baking or some angry gardening. You know, and when somebody comes in and just watches you kind of grimacing as you're kneading dough really crossly, you can just be like, well, what are you doing? No, I'm just really into what I'm doing. You know, so if you get busted, it's not really a big deal. You kind of just saying, yep, I'm just basically doing some angry baking right now. <laughs> it's a good thing. So I think... What you want to think of are things that you can do to kind of release that tension, like that pressure that you're just taking off all throughout the day. Release the tension, release the tension. So it never builds up to any toxic level. Yeah, and I think that's really important is what you just said then is about releasing it throughout the day. As things come up, 
what can you do in that moment so that, you know, it's not going on for the rest of the day because a lot of the times, especially for the kids when I've picked them up from school, they've come home, that was the worst day of my life. And it's like, well, was it really the worst day? So tell me about that whole day. You know, perhaps it's not the day. I say to the kids, you know, it was the day's 24 hours. So you're at school for how long? And I guess in a coaching world, this is about chunking it back. And then when they come back and go, oh, no, actually, it was just a minute. It was a couple of minutes. Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. Feel better now. And that's important for kids as well as adults, especially I think for kids these days, is getting them and seeing them while you're home with them doing the work so they know, oh, right, this is how I can express my emotions too. Yeah. So let's do one more exercise. It's another fun one, particularly if you're really cross with someone in particular, you can kind of get yourself into that space of Macbeth, you know, that bubble, bubble, toilet, trouble kind of evil space and surrender yourself into it, blow up a balloon, write with a big marker pen on the balloon all the things you really hate about that particular person and all the things that make you very angry about that particular person and march around with this balloon staring at it and saying all these things very out loud and then in a big explosion, take a big pitchfork and pop the balloon. Now, the reason we want to do something like that is it's another way to have hold tension and release. And when you want to get rid of frustration, holding that tension in your body and then releasing it is really good. If you want to get rid of anxiety or fear, you want to be shaking. So this is a trauma release exercise where you can lie flat on your back with your knees up and you shake your entire body from side to side. Or in a standing position, you can also shake your entire body and shake out that kind of fear and anxiety buildup as well. So I really hope that those exercises are going to help and just take the edge of the scratchiness of the lockdown. And it's important that we release these emotions that come up all throughout the day and not let them kind of get too pent up and building up into a big toxic mess. So next week, obviously, we're going to have a whole episode on relationships and how to kind of avoid a meltdown within that. Another thing that is really important for people is to do like a sleep check as well, because often no one's their best when they're not getting a good night's sleep. And really just check in and see what is your sleep patterns like, because you can't feel from an empty cup. And we want to feel from the overflow of the saucer around the cup. So it's so important that everyone is getting a good night's sleep consecutively to be able to have enough in you to deal with these emotions as well and make these exercises even more effective. So as we do go into the wrap-up and what's coming up for next week, both Adele and I have worked with clients in all sorts of situations in their life from trying to stop a divorce and going through it and healing from it and other traumas. We both were in agreement that you know, now isn't the time to be, I'm getting a divorce and going into that space. But to wrap up, it's if you are chatting to your partner, significant other, husband, wife, it is really important when you're doing that to start with I statements. And I feel this way so that you're owning it rather than you did this and you make me. And that kind of feels like an attack on the other side. Definitely. And it's important to call for a timeout if you're having a heated conversation. If you feel things are starting to build up, don't 
go in for the kill. Don't try and win that conversation. You got to think like a chess player. A chess player concedes some pieces so that they can win the ultimate game. The ultimate game in lockdown is to kind of get through this time with as little negative repercussion and impact as possible. Now is not the time to win at all costs and take the pieces because you want to be right about it. Just take a time out. Just go, all right, it's going to concede this one. We're not going to go for the win on this one. Take that time out and really think before you speak. Ask yourself, is it worth it? Do I really need to say this right now? Can I actually just take a breath and a moment to pause before I go for that one? Oh, pausing is very powerful. And I think a lot of people hold on to things because they want to be right. But sometimes, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Absolutely. So one of the most effective ways we found over the years to really help people is using hypnotherapy and using various tools to help with the unconscious mind and using those conscious tools as well to maintain the work that has been done. So we're going to talk in the coming episodes about using different therapeutic techniques to help people in different ways. We also have these kind of techniques available individually. You know, we have sessions and audios and things like that that you can download from our website. So we'll talk more about that in a future episode. But to summarize from today, bottom line, this is a highly stressful time, is a grand experiment in mental health. So you should expect yourself to not be yourself right now. It might be, you might be feeling more frustrated and emotional than usual. You might be noticing your partner's more irritated than usual. Bottom line is emotions, you know, it's not your fault when they come up, but it is your responsibility to deal with them in really empowered ways and safe ways. And suppression in particular is dangerous to your health. And if you leave it, it can lead to really shitty consequences for yourself and others. So follow some of these techniques and ideas that we presented on releasing emotions throughout the day, because then you're releasing it on your terms versus them biting you when you least expect it. And as we've mentioned before, this isn't a sprint to the finish line as to who's baked the best or whose Instagram post got the most like for the tent they did with their kids. It's, you know, we're not all here to write a new book, learn a new instrument. So this is a marathon. We don't know the exact finish line just yet. So take your time, check in with yourself and plan it out so that you can, you know, be here thriving beyond the lockdown. And if you do find that you're struggling, be okay with that. Know that it's safe to reach out and ask for help and that online therapy is just as effective as it is if you're in person. If you want to get hold of either of us in particular, feel free to do so. You can reach out to myself on reneecat.com or reach out via the usual social medias. And you can get hold of me, Adelteron, on adelteron.com or also on Facebook and Instagram. So that's it from us. It was good to spend this time with you today. And in next episode, we'll be talking about relationships. So till next time, stay safe. Yes, stay safe. And if there's anything in particular in relationships that you want to hear about, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. So hear us on the next podcast. Great. Thank you. Bye, everyone.